It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 730 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. That's episode 730. I have another great episode lined up for you today. Joining me as my guest is Chris Spurvey. Chris is the author of the book titled It's Time to Sell Cultivating the Sales Mindset. He's also CEO of Chris Spurvey Sales Consulting. And today we're going to talk about how to cultivate your sales strengths. And included among the topics we explore are why the conventional sales mindset just doesn't work for most sellers, how to determine when you need to find your own way of selling. And this is so important. I've been writing and talking about that a lot recently. How to use experimentation to define your unique sales strengths. Learning how to sell in a way that gives you the greatest confidence in front of a customer, which is so important. And why you need to focus on growth instead of goals. So we're going to talk about that and much, much more. So before we get to Chris, I want to spend a minute to talk to you about VanillaSoft. VanillaSoft is the industry's leading sales engagement platform. So what does that mean? Well, it means you can eliminate sales lead cherry picking by your reps. It means your reps will make more than two or three outreach attempts for every lead they get. It means each rep will actually follow an omnichannel cadence. Now, to help you with that, you need to check out VanillaSoft's ultimate guide to prospecting. Daniel Disney and Daryl Prale will show you how to combine cold calling with social selling for outrageous results. So you can get that now at VanillaSoft.com forward slash Andy Paul. That's me. That's at VanillaSoft.com forward slash Andy Paul. All right, let's jump into it. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. I'm, it's a privilege to be on, and I'm looking forward to this. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we've, we've, this has been in the making for quite a long time. So you're joining us from Newfoundland. Newfoundland, Newfoundland yes. Canada. Newfoundland yeah. and Labrador. I need to put in our uh, oh, really? okay. other part of our province, uh, not <laughs> Labrador as well. We don't want the, what do we call them, Labradorians? Labradorians, uh, yeah. Or, or, the, or the labs, whatever. <laughs> Getting mad at us. Exactly. Actually, we've, we've had a fair number of people on the show recently from, yeah, in a relative sense, from, I was saying to you earlier, it's Halifax. I mean, there seems to be really? quite a, yeah, sort of a interesting sort of tech startup scene going on in Halifax, which... Absolutely. I know a number of the founders there. Yeah, which uh, when you sort of look at it on the map and so on, you think, well, huh. A, that's yeah. fantastic because obviously you should be able to do that anywhere, but it is a little surprising because it's, it's remote. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Newfoundland is even more remote. <laughs> even more remote, right. <laughs> and so uh, we it, don't live in igloos, though. Uh, we don't live in igloos. So it's, let's see, we're recording this in the middle of August. So has it started cooling down yet? No. Well, well uh, historically, uh, this yesterday, which is the, uh, we have a, um, a thing in Newfoundland. It's the longest running sporting event in all of North America. Uh, called the Regatta, the Royal the Royal St. John's Regatta, and it takes place the first Wednesday of August. And that historically has been considered the turning point of summer uh, where it starts to move yeah. into fall. Uh, but with uh, global warming, yes. uh, it seems to have changed it a little bit. So we're, we got a few more weeks left yet. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. Where, if I want to go get cool someplace, where do I go besides putting my face in my refrigerator? Um <laughs> Uh, so, 
because you know it gets hot here in New York. And so, um, well, good. Well, thanks for joining me. And we're gonna we're gonna chat about a few things, uh, a little bit about your own journey to start off with, and sure. and earlier in your career, you'd mentioned in something in something that that your own negative beliefs about sales you felt were holding you back from sort of reaching the next level. So, what were those? negative beliefs about sales? Yeah, well, I mean, I would suggest they kind of line up with perhaps some of the stereotypical negative beliefs uh, in that I I thought that you had to be gregarious, uh, extroverted, uh, have the scripts and uh, the objection fighting, uh, all that sort of stuff, plus uh, be pushy, right? Uh, you know, I, I could tell you a story about my first exposure sure, mentally ahead, to ahead. sales. Well, yeah, and it's a it's a story it's a story similar to many people I'm sure listening that, uh, and I know specifically 1983. I'm 10 years old. Uh, I'm out playing street hockey, and it's a Sunday uh, evening, and uh, I go in in the house. Mom has supper on the table, and a knock comes to the door. And it's the Electrolux vacuum cleaner salesman. And uh, <laughs> they, they, throw 30, dirt, they throw dirt on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Within 30 seconds, though, he was in our living room and uh, he was doing a demonstration. And, right. and I just sort of, I remember uh, my mom and dad, who never dreamed of buying a vacuum when they woke up that morning, uh, putting up objections uh, such as the price and so on. Uh, sure, but Le- somehow, Electrolux is top of the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but uh, anyway, mom and dad ended up buying uh, a $3,000 vacuum that evening, uh, which in today's dollars would be around $12,000. And then they fought about it for the next three months as they tried <laughs> to figure out how to pay for it. Uh, so so that was kind of my exposure to sales. So when I went into, when I, when I decided I'm well, going to so, yeah. Was was that a positive exposure to sales or a negative exposure to sales? Well, I would say it was a negative exposure okay. in terms of how I internalized it. Right. Uh, being around my mom and dad's energy as they fought around the purchase, uh, and they were largely influenced by a person who had all the the means to get over that objection. That right. uh, so so I internalized it negatively, yeah. and so. Yeah. Who ultimately ended up taking responsibility for making the decision? Uh, my mom. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And my mom was certainly in my life just to really go deep into the subconscious entrenchment of this whole thing. My mom was my motherly. Well, of course, my motherly figure. She was sure. the person. And so observing kind of how the reaction after definitely internalized for me. Uh, that darn salesman uh, who uh, sold the vacuum that they didn't want to begin with, right? Uh, so that's that's it was a negative experience out of the gate for sure. And you didn't start your career in sales, though. No, no, not at all. Even though I think be, like I had started a business at, sort of partway through uh, university, and just maybe my two business partners uh, at the time because of I didn't have technical skills nor finance skills. Uh, I got designated the sales uh, person, right? right? Yeah. So uh, that was, uh, you know, that's kind of when I, I, but you know what? The experience of that led me down a path that once we sold that company, uh, and I'm not talking about any major exit here, I'm talking about uh, a few thousand dollars. Uh, you know, once we decided to sell that company, 
uh, I then said, sales is not for me. I'm going down a marketing path. Uh, so I spent the first 10 years of my career kind of in a marketing role. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what, what was that transition then where you said, okay, now I have to confront sales. You're starting a new business? No. Uh, so fast forward 10 years later, uh, my family and I were in a position where I needed to make more money. Uh, and I was kind of getting, oh, I was kind of getting tired sitting behind a desk all day. And somebody gave me a Robert Kiyosaki's book. Uh, mm-hmm. And in that book. Was that Rich Dad, I, Poor Dad? Or? Yeah, one of those or yeah. cash flow quadrants or whatever. Uh, and in that book, I, I internalized this idea that I'm an entrepreneur. However, I wanted to earn more money and building a business didn't seem to line up, uh, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So in, in terms of how to do it immediately. So somewhere in the book, I read, go in, if you want to acquire the skills of an entrepreneur, uh, go for a career in sales. Uh, so I woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to try to find a career in sales. And so that's what that decision point led me then to a company uh, that uh, decided they, they met, the owner met me and maybe saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, but he saw a salesperson. And uh, that's and this, when I made the jump. And this was selling what? Well, that was selling IT professional services, okay. uh, which I knew nothing about. Right. I really did. Uh, and he decided to make me his manager of business development. Uh, and uh, I was all of a sudden in sales and, and I kind of just fell into it. Uh, because I wanted more for my family financially, and he saw something in me that I didn't know was there, uh, so I decided to go for it and give it a try. So it was at that point in time you're saying, "Okay, I'm starting this career in sales. Is I should be acting like I saw that guy, Electrolux salesperson, I, or yeah. I don't want to be that person? What am I going to do?" No. Uh, so initially, it was I jumped in and thought I had to be that person. Um, and I went and, and I, I'm going to throw out some names like Zig Ziglar and mm-hmm. Brian Tracy and those types of people. Uh, and I, I guess I internalized a, a way of sales, selling that was very much in line with what I perceived that Electrolux vacuum cleaner salesman to be. So I tried to be a, a combination of that. And it didn't work for me. I went. I was months miserable. Even, but I, I was determined, but miserable. If that makes sense. <laughs> sure. I was. I was determined to conquer it and find a way to sell that was unique to me. Uh, is what? Sorry. That. That actually, I'm. I'm phrasing that wrong. I tried. I failed. I was determined, and then I realized I need to find a way to sell. That's that's in line with my personality. So I decided to just start start experimenting. And uh, the more I experimented, the more I found few little things that worked and, and away I went, you know? Well, this is a topic I want to spend a little more time on because, you know, you work with companies all over and help them with transforming their sales. I obviously talked to a lot of companies and, and a lot of entrepreneurs and executives. And we are one of the things that, that seems to be a trend in sales these days is toward greater conformity. Right, one of the mm-hmm. one of the artifacts I think of the technology we have is that it, it not necessarily enforces, but certainly encourages conformity. I think managers enforce the conformity because, hey, we've 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 got a way now to, yeah, we have more insight into the activities you're doing, and you know we have our metrics, so on, so on, and so forth. But interest if you sort of see the same thing because that's certainly what my takeaways are. Increasingly, when I look at companies and what they're doing, and. Yeah, I'm very outspoken in my writing and so on that 
that I think that's a huge problem. So interested in what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just want to understand your position. Uh, so you're suggesting, um, are you suggesting today's day and age, we are, we are now at a point where people, more and more people are selling in a way that feels better for them? No, just the opposite. I'm saying opposite. greater emphasis on conformity, which is less aligned with who they are as individuals. And so I said, I write quite a bit about the importance of becoming the best version of you, not the best version of some mythic ideal salesperson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so you mentioned I've, I now work with companies. I mean, there's a long story to where, to where I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm doing now. And certainly we could dig in a little bit on that, but what I, what I have found. So for me, I really gravitate towards helping um, individuals uh, who are not say who are not stereotypical or or their sales is not even in their in their title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically help them see uh, how uh, just through consistency of building relationships and um, and and having an approach to selling uh, that feels okay and feels good for them, how they can you know leverage their own strengths and and so on uh, to become effective. At getting results in sales, so they're not they're they're not they're non-sales sellers, as I call them. You know, absolutely, um, yeah. Well, I think that yeah. recently we see see more of those. At least it, yes. it feels like to me. And certainly, entrepreneurs have been in that that boat forever. Yes, um, but yeah, that is always sort of the first hurdle for a lot of entrepreneurs is you start a company. Uh oh, now I have to go sell. Absolutely, and. They carry a lot of the beliefs that you did that that uh, we all do, maybe to some degree, about yeah. the negative stereotypes and images, and and this idea of saying, okay, well, how do, I, how do I find a way to sell that's congruent with who I am? Right, is is tough. It is, yeah, yeah. And I mean, for me, it's uh, what I try to do is I try to zero in on some core strengths that they that they have. And change or uh, flip those strengths uh, to be uh, in line with with being of service and delivering value for clients. And a lot of the people I work with are, you know, given my background in consulting, and then you know our company was bought by KPMG. So these are people who are subject matter experts uh, in the same way an entrepreneur is a subject matter expert around the product uh, or idea or service that they uh, that they have. Uh, and how do you tap into you know, maybe it's a, a strength of being curious. Uh, maybe it's a strength of solving problems um, and so well, on. Do you have what, so when you're working with somebody who's a non sales seller, as you talk about, is so where typically do you start with them, right? Because you know, we have entrepreneurs that <coughs> listen to the show that, that struggle with this. Is, so if somebody's saying, okay, yeah, I'm just really struggling, uh, not comfortable, and I've made a career out of helping people who aren't sellers learn how to sell. But interest from your perspective is, is where do you start with them? Is, is uh, Yeah. I, I, you know, for me, I've adopted uh, a bit of a methodology that's not mine. Uh, the methodology that I've adopted is I g- go after I begin working one-on-one uh, with somebody, uh, I have them do StrengthsFinder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, by doing StrengthsFinder, they, they read their top five or 10, whatever they decide to unlock, uh, their strengths. And what I have found with almost everybody who does StrengthsFinder, they read the top five strengths. And at least 80% of those top five or 10 strengths, uh, they can say, you know what? 
that's me. I can't believe that's me. I, I, I know it's me. I can't believe that this 30-minute assessment uh, identified it as me. So for me, you know, my number one strength is an act. I'm an activator, uh, as an example. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. number two strength is I'm, I have empathy. Uh, competition is also in my top five strengths. Um, and I'm a maximizer. So, it, you know, I have people do the, the strengths finder. And what I do is I get them, I get them feeling good about the process they went through to identify their strengths. Uh, and they, they read them. They say, God, that's me. Uh, and I show them how they can leverage a, a few of those strengths um, in sitting with confidence with a buyer uh, and having a conversation, right? And uh, and so I, I I I leverage Strengths Finder. I really do, and find uh, it it all it really entails is adding a new a new picture. We think in pictures, right? And if if somebody can reframe the picture of what sales is. To be to have some form of a positive energy to it, uh, then away we go, right? Uh, and that's the building block. That's the initial building block. So, well, what is that? If you say, okay, there's something that in common people just sort of have that they just don't get about sales. If someone asked you, what do people not get about sales? What would you say? Well, I mean, so what I would say to that is what people don't get about sales, uh, well, what they think, what they, what they get about sales is they, 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 they think sales is convincing and, uh, um, you persuading. know, pushing, right. persuading. Uh, and so I, you know, through my book, uh, you know, the number one thing people take from my book is they get a, they get a new feeling about sales that is not pushing, it's pulling, um, and so what I try to do through this process is then identify how having leveraging your strengths, having good quality organic conversations uh, with a potential buyer, it's a pulling, it feels more like a pull, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, and as, so I'm, as I'm working with them, they're changing the image on the screen of their mind that, you know what, sales is not pushing, it's pulling. And I have well, people- so so how are you how are you distinguishing that? I mean, obviously, the, I know the difference between pushing and pulling, but in the sales yeah. context, how are you differentiating those two? Because I mean, you could say, hey, pulling is coercive as well as pushing. So, yeah, that's uh, a valid point. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's uh, you know the best way I can put it is to say it's a feeling thing. It's an intuitive thing. And is uh, it more of a not pulling as much as leading? Hence, yeah, you know, leading, leading, leading from front as opposed to uh, pushing from behind. Yeah, yeah, that's actually very good. I like that. Yeah, it's lead. It's leading your buyer uh, uh, would be uh, would be a good word. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it just it's a feeling thing, and and I just know from my experience now, we're having worked with you know I don't know how I many hundreds of people. Let's just say uh, that once they get that feeling, uh, and it, the feeling comes from having a different image on the screen of their mind right. of what sales is. So when you sort of started going through this process, what was the first area you experimented with or you, you worked on? Because I, mean, I love the, this image, and I just wrote about it. Uh, by the time people hear this, it'll be <laughs> past. But uh, yeah. here early in August, wrote about this idea is you have to experiment, right? This is how you, be, yes. this is how you understand who you are, what's the best way for you to sell. Uh, this great quote I love from the American writer Ralph Waldo Emerson who align you know, with what you're saying and what I believe is you know, the quote is all life is an experiment. The more experiments you make, the better. Absolutely. I, it's only, um, 
And again, it's amazing how something like that can impact you. I was long, I was behind me is my um, my lazy boy chair, and I spend a few minutes in that every evening. And um, I read uh, a really good book by Price Pritchett uh, called Quant- "The Quantum Leap Strategy" or "Quantum Shift," yeah, "Quantum Leap Strategy." And uh, just this little paragraph on the top, it's like a, a side quote of it on every page. And it said, what experiment can you run tomorrow morning uh, to test your limits? And I said to myself, God, that's a pretty, it's a, a distinction, right? What, what experiment can I run tomorrow morning to test my limits? Maybe I'll go out and run 30, you say I'm going to run 30K, <laughs> right? I don't run. So, no, I was, was going to say, hopefully you've been training before that, but yes. Yeah, well, but if I, if I, if I set 30, 30K as my limit or, or whatever that is in miles for anyone listening in the United States, I'm probably going to get seven or eight K, <laughs> so I'm, but I'm going to know what my limit is, right? right? Uh, so it's, it's running these little experiments, I think, are, is a really clever idea. Yeah, well, and I think that what it's funny we on certain aspects of selling, especially you see proactive outbounds. There's a lot of emphasis on testing, A/B testing, right? We're going to test subject lines. We're going to test, you know, opening paragraphs. Da da da. We're going to test these these things we do, sort of remotely right our, our email outreach our our cold calling script and i think what a lot of sellers don't get is well that applies to every conversation you have with the buyer every interaction you have not just through prospecting through middle of the funnel your discovery calls well maybe i'll ask this question this way today because it's different than the way i've been doing it and yeah i know i could be better Yes. So let me experiment with that. And Absolutely. I, and so when we talk about experiments, at least in my perspective, and I think with yours as well, is, is that's what we're talking about is be able to do that, though, is you just can't operate on autopilot, right? You have no. To be, you have to be conscious of the fact that you're, you're learning, you're trying to learn, you're being deliberate in how you yes. sell. And so, yeah, tweak it. And then just, you can write, Absolutely. It, you can write it down if you want to, but yeah, first of all, don't tweak a million things at once. Tweak one so you can remember it. And then, yeah, yeah, repeat it four or five times and see if it works. Exactly. I, and I think probably the most important aspect of that is to ensure you're taking a very objective look and a, a view to it, right? Because you can rationalize anything. So if you do something once or twice or three times, uh, you can convince yourself that it's the right way, even though you've failed three times, right? Uh, this is the value, I think, of um, and and I'm, I'm you know of having somebody who is objective, uh, coming along for the ride and giving you feedback and challenging your thinking and so on, right? I guess all so what I'm saying is that's the value of a coach uh, sure. is to do that, you know. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, this idea of experimenting. Uh, and then maybe sitting down every Monday morning and looking at your past week or on Friday before you leave for the afternoon and, and having a good look uh, at what you did and then take, making some objective decisions to try something a little bit different, make a few tweaks the next week. And do that every Friday uh, until you're getting to certain numbers that you hope to, uh, that you feel are reasonable. You know, uh, not everyone's going to say yes. Uh, so uh, pick a number that you, you find is reasonable um, and kind of start working to, your way towards that by experimenting and by pivoting around what works. Right. Uh, so I'm with you. I think that's that's extremely valuable. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a um, gosh, who was it? John Maxwell quote uh, see here playing on my computer. Which I love, which is it speaks to this specifically. Is is uh, the quote was, "If you focus on goals, you may hit your goals, but it doesn't guarantee growth." 
Mm. If you focus on growth, you will grow and you'll meet your goals. Meet your goals. Yeah, and, I really like that. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great great quote for people to keep in mind is, is really the business that you should be trying. If you're in sales and you're thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, we've got a number. You've got a quota and so on. But what your mission should be is to grow. Yes. Right? And yes. by growing, I mean growing personally, growing professionally, doing the things that, that Chris is talking about here, the, the experiments, the continual sort of deliberate change of what you're doing to try something else. So always sort of test back and forth, A, B. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if you set the mission to grow, yes. if, you, if you, you know, Brian Tracy talks about read the value of reading, I stress the value of reading as, yeah, you Brian Tracy's quote was, if you read a book a week in your field and 12 months, you'd be in the top 5% of earners in, <laughs> in, in your category. Yeah, I, yeah, a little hyperbole there, but I think basically he's right. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, and I mean, I think, Action. It comes down to though. It comes down to action. And the you know the one thing I have learned is that there's a segment of the population that are willing to willing to do the things. I read somewhere if you you know successful people are willing to do the things that failures just will not do. Right. And uh, so action is very important. And from my perspective, what I have learned is that action is a result. Everybody needs to have some form of inner desire to grow. Uh, and which, which I guess the word is self-motivation and, uh, the but only I, thing that, but don't you think there's an issue that we don't, we don't, we, and I'm talking broadly in terms of the sales industry, but when I look at, we've got these high rates of attrition in sales and high turnover yes. rates, right? There are individuals, contributors, you know, you see statistics like every 12 to 14 months they're turning over and VPs of sales, you know, every 18 months, um, yeah, that's a problem. And I think for me, a lot of that, what you read and Gallup, who did StrengthsFinder, one of their surveys was that hey, people are primarily leaving because they don't feel there's opportunity to grow. Mm. And yeah. so if there's not opportunities to grow, I think this is, is something really for you as an individual to think about is, is yeah, I'm in sales. I want to grow. Grow, what does grow mean? Grow yeah. means become more proficient. Grow becomes be broader in my knowledge of sales or and deeper uh, in my knowledge of sales and my customers and so on. Is okay. What do you need to do in order to achieve that growth? Because right. too often it just seems like it's just associated with growing sales. Yeah, that's why I think the Maxwell quote is so great. Because yeah, if your growth if growth is your goal, sales are going to come. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important for companies to align with that goal uh, of growth uh, and provide like your company. If you work for a company, your company is really your partner in crime uh, in the fulfillment of your own personal visions. And if those company, if the company you're working with is not uh, is not providing you uh, with those growth opportunities, uh, you know, maybe you're maybe you're with the wrong company. Right. Um, You know, the. I really find companies need to need to align uh, with their that exact thing. Their employees who desire to grow and learn and thrive uh, and flourish type of stuff, right? Yeah, I don't see enough of it though. That's it's, no, no, you're right. But that's, I mean, we see half hearted, uh, half hearted, half assed attempts. I mean, companies so often is you know our training budget we're going to consume for our sales kickoff in January. It's like yes. Okay, how does that help? How does that help anybody <laughs> to right. do that? Um, 
And so instead of saying, look, hey, here's something we can do every day of the year. And we have programs that we sell through the sales house to companies. And increasing companies are looking at it. But you know, the initial pushback is almost always, the initial objection, if there is one, is oh, we don't have time to do that. Mm, and it's like, yeah. we don't have time to grow? You, right. don't, you, don't, you don't have time to invest in your people? It's, yeah. it's, of course you've got time. You've got nothing but time. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's Bob Proctor says if you're, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Pretty uh, much, right? There's no, yeah, sta- well, there's no standing still. No. <laughs> exactly. That's what I like to say. There's no standing still. No, no. It's impossible. Bob goes as far as to say you're, you're, you're still dying even when you're in the grave because you're disintegrating, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, so there's no standing still. Oh, God. But uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, but, we're on to something here. Well, I think uh, one thing I, we talk frequently on the show about is, is that the individuals have to take more responsibility, are willing to take more responsibility. This is, I think, really not, not a hard to ask, yeah, no. I, I think, because, and maybe, again, it's the depending on the situation, you may feel a little bit differently. If you're in a really highly rigid sales process or a conformity-driven sales process environment, maybe not. But, but even then, to the point we were talking about earlier, is if you're operating in that environment, you think there's more, you know, what are reps supposed to do to sort of break free of the, the shackles, right? I, in my, early in my career, I was fortunate enough to work for people that gave me enough rope to hang myself. We had a, we had yeah, a, me we had, too. We had a process. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I used part of it. Yeah. But, but the part that didn't align with me, uh, I came with my own. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I don't, but you don't feel like uh, people don't seem to feel as empowered. Individual contributor and in sales don't seem to feel as empowered these days to sort of go against the flow and do that. And I, yeah, to your point earlier, either they need to leave where they are mm. to go find a place where they can do it, or they just need to take the risk where they are and say, look, this is my job. This is my career. Uh, yes, Mr. Boss, I appreciate Ms. Boss. I appreciate you know, the guidance, but I think there's a better way to do this. And yeah, fire me at the end of the year if I don't hit my numbers. But meantime, I'm going to try to do this the way I think works best. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that going right back to the original story, this is where Robert Kiyosaki was pointing to. If you want, you know, if you're the entrepreneur, entrepreneur and the salesperson in terms of skill set, there's a, a big alignment there, right? Uh, so uh, you, I find the mo- the best salespeople. Uh, are entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurially wired, if that might be the right word, right? Um, no, I said they're rule breakers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, I was talking to, uh, I had Wes Schaefer on my podcast, I believe, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, and he was talking about how, you know, I, I threw out the idea that uh, some of these larger enterprises and the, the name I use, and I hope you don't mind me saying it, was Oracle, uh, and how at the end of the year, as the end of year approaches, um, they uh, they put off the blitz where you can, get, you know, the, uh, customers can buy for X percent off, and it forces tries to force decisions. And Wes made a comment that that just leads, from his experience, leads to a pile of lying. Uh, right. Uh, what's the status of that proposal? Oh, it's still, it's in waiting. Me- meanwhile, the salesperson never ever sent it in. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I, yeah, that's one artifact. I think the other artifact, though, is that those types of sales initiatives really are are trust breakers. Yes. And and it, one of the the four cornerstones of trust is transparency. 
Yes. And so the customer has to be confident that and comfortable that your motivations are aligned with theirs or your exactly. motivations are transparent. And yeah, just think about it. you spend invest all this time to to build trust with a, a buyer and they say, ah, have I got an opportunity for you? If you buy before tomorrow, yeah. we'll give you a 20% discount. <laughs> and and doesn't mean the customer is not going to take advantage of that. No. But in their mind, suddenly it went from being an advisor to a vendor, from a part, partner to a seller. That's fine. Okay, we'll take it. But yeah, the shine goes out of the eyes. They know exactly who you are at that point. Absolutely. And I, I know personally, as, as, as a buyer in certain aspects of my life, or all aspects of my life, I, I put a block up to that, right? Uh, uh, big time. I, my, my spider senses go off immediately. And uh, I, even if it's something I need, I won't buy it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's. I think sales managers actually are most responsible for this. Is they tend to point the finger at individual contributors for discounting, and I, I personally, in my experience, has been, and both through in my own career and <laughs> as a manager and uh, as a consultant of many, many companies, is that yeah, it's it's managers who, who really stimulate the discounting more really, than individual yeah. contributors. And, and I say it's really, it's a surplus problem. And, yeah. And the surplus is they've got you know, too many unsold products. Even though right. a services product is still unsold inventory, theoretically, of services or unsold hours or unsold. They've got a surplus and they need to move the surplus. Yeah. Exactly. And I guess it's uh, also a factor of uh, the managers somewhat wedged there in the middle, right? So they're getting uh, top-down pressure uh, and they, and they, but they're not the doers, right? So they, they can only go down with that pressure and it res, and the results. So I, I'm with you. It's the manager who's ultimately responsible for it largely. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. sort of, and we're unfortunately running out of time, but I think that one takeaway for this is at least I would leave with sellers here that are listening is that, and this is hard, but it can be done. I've, I did it in my career. I know many other successful people have done it in their careers yeah, you could be in an environment that's, that's fairly rigid, uh, a culture that's fairly rigid, but maybe you enjoy the job, you enjoy what you're selling, you enjoy your customers, but you're just not aligned with the process. Yeah. Change, change it. Change it. Break hit, it. Hit, break it. Hit your, as long as you're hitting your numbers. You know, if, you're doing yes. the, if you're doing the job, uh, if your manager, and I'm sure there are managers out there say, yeah, screw that, this guy's not in line with the culture, you know, not a fit, misfit, get, fine. In that case, yes. Take take yeah. your capabilities and go somewhere else. But yeah, there's companies that have become billion trillion billion dollar companies by hiring misfits. So uh, and the misfits, uh, the misfits. Yeah, well, and misfits is as not to be a pejorative in this case. It's just that, right. Yeah, find find an environment where you can do your thing and where yeah. you feel supported, even if you have to invest on your own to go growth to learn. Yeah, you, know, you take an online class, you do whatever, uh, but you at least feel supported doing it. You know, find those environments because that's that's, that's where you need to be to hit your own goals in your own life. And that's absolutely it. we're all about growth, not goals. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, if you don't mind, I, I, I'll just share because uh, I had mentioned the word self motivation. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, and the one thing that I have come to realize uh, is that there's really only one way to get yourself to a point where you are self motivated and willing to do. 
what it takes mm-hmm. to you know to get it, and it really comes down to having a vision for your future that's far more compelling than where you are right now, right? And and being falling in love with that vision for your future, um, and that's what leads to the self motivation when mm-hmm. you when you really want a future that's brighter. Um, you'll do you'll you know you'll 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 put the physical energy into it, the enthusiasm, the consistency. That's a great That's point. Necessary. Yeah. Absolutely, great point. And and what's ironic about that, uh, to some degree, when you think about it, is one of the things you should be good at if you're listening to the show as a seller is creating a vision, right? Mm. I mean, actually, sales. Ultimately, if you're in certainly in my my experience, been in a complex sales environment, is the way you get the customer enrolled <laughs> into the process of making a decision is by creating this compelling vision of what Absolutely. life will be for them with the outcomes they can achieve with the products and services you're selling. I mean, that's, that's you know, sort of 101 if you really want to have a successful career in sales. Well, doesn't mean you shouldn't have a similar vision that, except in this case, maybe you're rolling yourself, maybe you're rolling your partner in life, uh, you know, because you might have to make some sacrifices and time, but it, you have to have the same, to your point, the same passion around that vision as the, one, as the one you create for your customers. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, yeah, I love your I love your analogy there, if that's what it is. I mean, it's a really selling yourself on your future. And, and you know, uh, that to me is what, what it takes to go out and do what's necessary to be successful. Yeah. Well, I said, you got to get people enrolled in it. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I couldn't have done what I've done over the past, Ten years in my first marriage, right? Right. I didn't, we didn't didn't have buy into the vision. Mm, there you <laughs> so go. So that's right? just sort of a personal example, but it can work on the job level as well. Is, is, yeah, is, yeah. You got to put yourself in those environments where right. Yeah, uh, I'm with thing. you. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure. And it has been it's a lot of fun. It's been deep. So yeah. Well, that's what you get here on Accelerate. Um, so tell people they can find out more about you and connect with you. Yeah, they can go to chrisspurvy.com if you'll permit me to spell it. Uh, Absolutely. Chris, uh, spelled normally, spurvy, S-P-U-R-V-E-Y.com. And if people want to go there, they can get a, an electronic copy of my book for free. Uh, and yeah, so just do that. And LinkedIn is where the social platform where I spend all my time, really. I don't really participate in any of the other social platforms. Uh, and if you're ever in Newfoundland uh, anytime, <laughs> uh, be sure to reach out. All right. Well, that's if it's on your flight path. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, thanks a lot. And we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thank you, Andy. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Chris Spurvey. Join me again next week as my guest will be Oren Claff. Oren is Managing Director of Intersection Capital and best-selling author of the book Pitch Anything, an innovative method for presenting, persuading, and winning the deal. Next week, Oren and I will be talking about his brand new book titled Flip the Script, Getting People to Think Your Idea is Their Idea. So be sure to join us then. And before you go, don't forget to check out The Sales House. The Sales House is my growth training platform for B2B sellers just like you. If you're a seller who's reached the limits of what the science of selling can do for you, then the sales house will teach you how to master the human side of selling to crush your numbers. So for more information, visit thesaleshouse.com. That is thesaleshouse.com. We'll look forward to seeing you there. 
So thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>